are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning again, and uh, welcome. For those of you that may be listening by way of podcast this morning, glad that you can be joining us in such a way like that. Today we're beginning a new sermon series called Equipped to Serve and My desire for you today is that you'll walk out of here asking yourself the question, how has God equipped me to serve the body of Christ? What has God gifted me with so that I can use those gifts to bless other people for the sake of God's plan, God's will, and God's ways? We've been talking over the past several weeks about the whispers of God, and thanks to David Kennard and a few others that have helped him. To bring those messages to us, I think that we were all reminded of how important it is to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And uh, God's always speaking. The question is, are we always listening? And to listen to the voice of God is so very important, not just to listen, but to act upon that. So sometimes, David said in one of the messages, I wish that God would use a megaphone, right? I think there are times when God doesn't just use a megaphone. I think there are times when God uses a tuba for. <laughs> I, I think we fail to listen, we fail to act, and God lets us get to the point where circumstances and uh, the situation is so obvious to us, it's as if God is hitting us over the head with a board. And, and today, Scripture, I believe, is one of those two-by-four passages It's one of those attention-getting messages. I believe every Christian follower really needs to hear and act upon. We clearly, it is what God clearly expects from every believer if we are going to call ourselves a mature, an adult follower of Jesus Christ. It is one of those rites of passages into maturity that when we get this passage of Scripture right, I believe it is when we can say that we have crossed that line from being a baby Christian to an adult Christian or a young Christian to an adult Christian. The passage is Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 and uh, follow along with me in your Scripture, in your Bible, whichever version you have, or pull up the Riverside app and uh, you can find the U version there or... The, uh, the live version, the live event on that, if you'd like to do that on your smartphone. Uh, for the rest of us who don't have smartphones, just pull it up in a real, in a, in a, in a Bible that has, uh, you know, pages and all that stuff. So um, they're all Bibles, I know that. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Notice the urgency in Paul's words here. Paul the Apostle wrote this letter to the Romans. He says, I plead with you. Another version says, I beg of you. In light of God's great love and mercy, I 
beg of you. Do you do you hear the beginning of the two by four to come at you when you hear that kind of emphasis? I beg of you, I plead with you. If you get anything, get this. If you really want to believe that God is good and in light of all the grace and goodness and mercies and blessings of God in your life, then please, he says, this is one thing for sure I want you to get. I plead with you, stop thinking and acting like a spoiled child as our culture shapes you to think. Don't become sucked in to that, that system of our world that says that the world revolves around you. It's all about me. It's all about my pleasures and my desires and my wants. If you want to call yourself an adult here, it's time to grow up and stop thinking like this. Let your thinking be transformed. Let God help you think better and bigger. So the big idea here is I know that I'm adult when I'm an adult when my thinking rises to a higher level. I mean, how, how do you know when you become an adult? I mean, I'm speaking mostly to adults here. I mean, in our culture, legally, you're an adult when you're when you turn 18 years of age. But how many of you know that there are a lot of 18-year-olds who aren't adults? There are a lot of 25-year-olds, right? 30, 40, 50. Adulthood can be graded uh, chronologically or it can be judged by one's character and one's behavior. You can be a Christian for many years and not be an adult Christian. You can have grown up in the church and not be a mature believer. Paul's talking here about how can we become mature believers. But, but in, in, in the real world, in, in you know, this you know, uh, natural world, you know you're an adult when certain things start to happen to you. And, and you can recognize this, I'm sure. You know that you're an adult when you look forward to the weekend, not so you can stay up later, but so you can sleep in longer. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, you know you're getting old when it gets to that point. Or you know you're an adult when you look around you and friends that you had in school are now having kids. Or you know you're an adult when you adjust the thermostat in the room, not to become more comfortable, but to save some pennies. Right? Because you're the one writing the bill for it. You, you know that you're an adult when you're feeling sick, and rather than call mom, you call the doctor. You know you're an adult when you go to buy that new cell phone and you wonder if the truly smartphone is the one that has that very expensive data plan with it. Here's, here's the real kicker. You really know that you're an adult when you cringe hearing your voice say to your children, because I said so, that's why. <laughs> I thought I'd never say that to my kids. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I think the bottom line is you're an adult when you take responsibility for yourself and you take, take responsibility for others. You're, you're an adult when your, your thinking shifts from becoming a taker and a user of other people's stuff to becoming a contributor and owner of your own actions and behavior and maybe a lender or a giver of your stuff to others. 
There comes a time in our Christian walk where we need to graduate from milk to meat. Several scriptures talk about that. And in, in, in Hebrews, it says it's when you learn to distinguish right from wrong. In 1 Corinthians, it says when you stop arguing among yourselves about who's most important. In 1 Peter, it's when you taste and see the goodness of God trumps the temptations of the, of the devil. And you choose to do the things that are, goodness, are good for you. I, I, you know you're becoming an adult Christian when your thinking rises to a higher level, when you, you are no longer ruled by your selfish ambitions, your lust, your desires, and your, your, your self-centered pleasures. I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases this passage that we read here in, in Romans 12. <clears throat> this is, listen to how he puts it in the message version of the Bible. He says, So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without ever thinking. Instead, Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I beg of you, Paul says, Get this right. It all begins with a transformed mind. Letting God change you from the inside out. How many of you understand the frustration and the failure that happens when you try to change someone's behavior that doesn't have a changed mind? Right? You try to change your kid's behavior, but their mind isn't changed, and it's not going to change. Or even somebody at work, or anybody, if you try to change your behavior without a changed mind, it doesn't last, and it only is frustrating and failure. And, and so, as, as Pastor David reminded us over the past couple of weeks, it all begins with a transformed mind and a willingness to say yes to God, to His Holy Spirit. So I know that I'm... Becoming a mature adult, spiritual adult, when my thinking rises to a higher level, higher than the culture that is pulling me down constantly. But what else is a mark of spiritual maturity? Let's look on here in Romans 12, verse 3. He goes on to say, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Again, notice the urgency in his voice. I warn you. I warn you. I mean, we don't just suggest to people when we need to We warn people, don't think that you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Again, note what he says. Don't think too highly of yourself. In in the NIV, it says, Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of us. In other words, he says, On the one hand, Paul says, Let your thinking be transformed to a higher level than the low level of the culture. 
But then on the other hand, he says, don't think too highly of yourself. It's not a contradiction. On the one hand, he's saying, grow up and mature and think more highly. But on the other hand, don't think of yourself too highly. So what does it mean to think more soberly of yourself? First of all, here's the point. I, I want us to realize that I know I'm spiritually maturing when my thinker, thinking rises to a higher plane and my posture bows to a lower level. Let's talk about those people who think too highly of themselves. I know they're not in this room, so we can talk about them. <laughs> so let's gossip a little about those people who are so conceited and so self-centered. <laughs> what, 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 how good are, is a person who is thinks too highly of themselves for the sake of the kingdom. First of all, a person who thinks too highly of themselves, they're unteachable, right? If, if I know everything, if I'm a know-it-all, I think, if I think that I'm right all the time, I think so highly of myself that everybody else's opinions are not as valued as mine, what their thoughts are, don't really uh, rise to the level of my thinking because my thinking is better than their thinking. So if, if we have that kind of mindset, we are unteachable. And you know what's kind of ironic about that? The person who knows it all is the person who stops learning. Because if you know it all, you can't learn anything from anybody else. So they're unteachable. Another part of a person who thinks too highly himself is they're unconcerned for other people. They're concerned about what you can do for them. You know, my life believes that, the, you know, if, I'm, if I think so highly of myself, I believe that everybody else is there to meet my needs. The world revolves around me. I am able to, with my great wisdom and my self-importance, organize everybody around me to make me happy. And their needs and their concerns don't really concern me. That person who thinks so highly of themselves is ultimately useless for God's will. They are useless for the kingdom of God. Because if we are to rise to a higher level of thinking and think more reasonably about ourselves, we then think more highly about other people and we're useful for the kingdom. We're useful for the work of God. But when I think more soberly of myself, I am teachable. When, when I realize that, you know what, God uh, has blessed me and I have certain things and skills and abilities, but I have a long way to go. I have more to learn. I can learn from you, you can learn from me, we can learn from each other, and I know that God has a lot more to teach me. So I then become teachable, meaning that there's more potential for God using me as I open myself up to learning and changing and transforming. Some people, the older they get, the dumber they become because they feel like they already know it all. And I find out the older and the more I get and the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. The more I realize that there are other ways of doing things, that the other people have good ideas and other people have done things, gone down that road that I haven't gone and, and I learn to glean from others. So, so I'm teachable. I'm humble. Now, when he says think more soberly of yourself, it doesn't mean be self-deprecating. It doesn't mean oh, you know, I can't do anything for God. Woe is me. I'm worthless. That's not the point. He's saying, think of yourself with the measure that God has given you. In other words, think of yourself reasonably. Understand 
what God has gifted you with, your strengths, your abilities, your, 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 the things that God has given you that you can do for others. But don't think that you're more important than anybody else. Don't believe that even maybe you have greater intellect, maybe you have greater wealth, maybe you have greater uh, influence over other people. Does that make you better than that person that doesn't have your influence or your wealth or your prestige? No, it doesn't in the kingdom of God because those people have skills and abilities and talents that are valuable to God and are doing more perhaps to touch people directly than even you are. So you value other people more. You're aware that you're just one part of God's bigger plan, that you're just one part of the body of Christ. And for that body to be whole, you need all the parts to work together. And though you might be an important part, that doesn't mean that the baby finger isn't as important as the ear or whatever it is that, that we, Paul uses that metaphor elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 12. So, so when I am realizing that I'm thinking, when I'm thinking more soberly of myself, I'm more useful to God. Because if I, if I, if I see myself at, a, at an equal level, at least with other people, not better than other people, I then value other people. I see them from, from the wealthiest to the poorest, from the ins to the outs, from whatever age, whatever gender, whatever ethnicity we are, whatever social stratosphere we come from, I see that person as valuable to God and I then become useful to God because I value them too. I value all people alike and I value others. I add value to others more than to myself. So, so notice what he goes on to say. I know I'm maturing when I think higher, when I, my thinking rises to a higher level, when I stoop a little bit lower and, and I know that I'm crossing that threshold from a baby Christian to an adult Christian, whenever I do my part to build up the body of Christ. Now, sometimes when I'm prepping for a sermon, my language is a little stronger. This is what I intended to say, but I won't say it. I'll just tell you what I was thinking about saying. <laughs> Does it work? This is not original. I know that I'm maturing when my thinking rises higher. I stoop a little lower and I do my part to get up off my butt and help others for the sake of the kingdom of God. That's probably the way Paul intended that to be interpreted. Paul used some pretty strong language. And I believe that that is the mark of a maturing believer is when they feel like they have something to offer the family of God and they get up off the couch, they get up off their seat and they do something to, to help the kingdom. So notice what he goes on to say here. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith that God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. A quote that was posted on our Riverside Facebook page yesterday said, All Christians have been gifted by grace from God above, equipped to build and strengthen the church in faith and love. 
All Christians. Who, me? Yeah, you. I, I, originally, I was thinking of titling this series uh, that, that very thing, Who, me? And I, I had this, this image of the, the scene in, in Taxi Driver. I don't recommend the movie at all. I've just seen the clip. When De Niro's saying, you talking to me? Yeah, you talking to me? Yeah, you. And it's like, God's talking to you. Yeah, you. Who, me? Yeah, you. God's talking to you. God has gifted you with abilities. God has given you skills and talents and passions and desires. And God gave it to you not to hoard it, not to use it for your own selfish pleasures and desires, but to grow up and be a contributor to the kingdom of God. As we are to mature as human beings in our society, in the church, we need to mature and say, how has God gifted me? What can God use me to do to be a blessing for the kingdom of God? I know I'm becoming an adult Christian when I'm playing my part in contributing to the family of God. And that's that metaphor that he uses here. He uses it in 1 Corinthians, the body of Christ, when he gives this list of spiritual gifts. Notice the list that he put here, prophesying, teaching, serving, encouraging, giving, leading, showing kindness. How many of us could not look at that list and say, well, yeah, I could do some of those things. Yeah, I think God has gifted me to be a kind person. Nope, that's not my gift. I'm a curmudgeon. I'm gifted to be a curmudgeon. No. Some people just exude kindness. They're the hospitality team of the church. They're the ones that when you walk in the door, they just make you smile by saying, Hi, good morning, calling you by name, how are you? People serving. Behind the scenes, people who don't want their names on the lights, they don't want to be recognized, but they're there helping to do the paint in the room that we're renovating. They're the servants. They're out there doing landscaping. They're maybe doing other things in other ways that nobody ever knows, but they don't want the acclaim. They just want to be the person that's making people smile by serving. They, you know, people have gifts of teaching, Maybe prophesying, speaking the truth in love and encouraging other people. And how do they come and say, what can I do to help bless and encourage and speak the truth in love? Leadership, skills of administration and giving. I mean, what a wide variety. That's not an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts. In fact, if you had that list, you had the list in 1 Corinthians 12, you had the list in Romans 4, you're still just scratching the surface of all the different ways God has gifted people to contribute to the body of Christ. But the point is that all of us are gifted. What's it say? I'm gifted. Say that to yourself. I'm gifted. Don't think too highly of yourself, but say it. I'm gifted. <laughs> I'm gifted. Now, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. So the question we ask ourselves is, what is my part in the family of God? In this series of the next few weeks, we want to drive that question home. I really do. In fact, uh, it's one of the things that in our Christianity 301 class, in fact, Laurie is teaching it again. She teaches it every fall semester. If you've not gone through the Christianity 301 class, um, if you're new to the church or you've not done that since you've been here, it's a class designed to help you discover your spiritual gifts. In fact, we use a, a, a modify the shape profile that um, Rick Warren designed years ago at Saddleback and churches all around the country use. 
shape. The acronym means stands for your spiritual gifts. You know, what has God gifted me? What are the spiritual gifts God gave me? We have assessments. We help you to find those out. What are your abilities um, or, or H? What's your heart? What's the passion? You know, what's the problem that you want to solve? What are you passionate about solving? Um, what are my abilities, my natural abilities or my assets that God has given me that I can share with other people and voluntarily give those? What is my personality? How has God wired me to be used? And what are the experiences that I've had, good, bad, and ugly, that God can redeem or God can use to help be a blessing to others? So I recommend highly that, that class if you've not taken that or maybe you've done it before. We want to help people discover who they are, how God created them, and then try to help people find a way that they can be usable for the kingdom within this church or the outreaches of this church into our community to bless the broader community around us. And that gets to our Christianity 401 class. Tricia Ritchie will be teaching that, which is all about taking our gifts and abilities and employing it in mission and ministry. So um, there is there is one area in this church that I believe from the very outset God has said, this is something that Riverside should be known for this is what we want it to be best at. And that is ministering to children. Ministering to I want to be this church, the mills, and any other place that we exist. I want Riverside to be the church where the families in our area would all want to have their kids raised. I, that's a dream. I think we are that church. But I know to be able to stay that church, it takes people continually saying, God, if you've gifted me in this area, God, I have a passion for this. God, I want to be able to be used in this area. I want to get up off my seat and do something about this. And uh, I just am thankful to God for those who have over the years been doing this. We prayed for um, 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 Candace Berry in the first service this morning. Many of you know Candace grew up in this church since she was a little girl. She's a hero of mine because I've seen this girl grow up. And I know what she's gone through as she's matured and how she has struggled with epilepsy as she grew up and lost her mother. Uh, and she's in uh, junior high or high school and then going off to college and getting a degree. And now she's heading out to Colorado Springs to do an internship with a church out there. And just a mature girl. And I told her this morning, I said, you're my hero, Candace. And I mean that. What a brilliant, brilliant, beautiful young girl. And I see the product of Riverside's children's ministry and student ministries in her. And not just her, so many others like her that have come up through this. And we are reaching now through this generation way beyond our community can ever reach. And it's fantastic. Why? Because of there, there have been people in this church over the years that had said, I'm going to invest in children. You know what? I'm going to take my Sunday mornings and rather than sit in a pew, I'm going to grow in my faith by teaching kids first, second grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, preschool, nursery, whatever. And, I, I, and to be honest with you, if you were to do that, you'll learn more about faith and you're growing up by doing that than you will sitting here and listening to me speak. I mean that. You do. 
I, I want to ask a few questions. Denise Churchill, our director of children's ministry, the best there is. Would you please come on up here and would you please give Denise a nice welcome? Let's go <laughs> Creatures of habit, aren't we? Denise, how are you? You know, I've been on vacation a few weeks this summer. What have you been doing? Working. (laughs) (laughs) You've been busy. You've been busy. What have the kids been doing this summer? Well, we started off the summer with Fun and Freedom, and that's where we partner with um, Janine and Dave McCutcheon. And uh, Fun and Freedom, sports and church, usually the last couple years, there's a huge conflict because now sports are on Sunday mornings. So families are having to decide whether to go do sports or come to church. But Fun and Freedom combines faith and sports together. And it was at the beginning of June, and it's one week. And the great thing about it is there's like 15 churches that all participated in the volunteers. Our church alone, about 40 of our youth um, participated as counselors, which is awesome. Most of these kids I saw raised up in kids' ministry. And um, the community just gives us their their pools, their fields, the police are helping. It's, it's unbelievable. The whole community's involved in it. And there was about 140 kids that attended. And each year, there's just more and more. Actually, they had a waiting list because there weren't enough volunteers for all the kids. So each year, as there's more volunteers, we'll be able and to minister. And you don't minister. have to be from Springdale to be in there, No, right? no, no. These are kids are coming from Plum, Penn sure. Hills, um, all different, all Super. different areas, and the churches involved too are coming from all different areas. It's a great, great event. Yeah, great week. So yes. then you guys went on a trip. Yeah, we just got back a week or so ago, and we went instead of our usual camp, we went to Lancaster, and the kids saw the production at Sight and Sound Theater of Noah, which was incredible. It it just if you've never been to one, they just bring the Bible to life. And um, we spent a couple days uh, seeing the tabernacles, seeing different Mennonite things, um, visiting an Amish community. The kids were very intrigued with that. That brought a lot of good conversation. So we just had a great time, traveled a lot, got close with our bus driver who basically lived with us for three days. And uh, it was a great trip. But the kids definitely said, when I teach Noah's Ark, it wasn't nearly as fun. (laughs) I can't bring in the live animals. Well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> we did llamas one time. Yeah, but did. no, all the live animals that were just marched right up on stage. So, Sweet. yeah, I, I can't make it as, as exciting here in church. So that's what you've been doing with the kids. What, and what else has been happening around here? Well, in this last building? year, you know, when we kind of unexpectedly had to move kids' ministry into this building, we were a little short on space. So we just did the best that we could because we were in a pinch. But um, preschool's just bursting at the seams. And, you know, it's funny. The smaller they are, the more space they actually need. And those little guys, they need a lot of space. So we were able to knock out a wall, and we've painted and putting new flooring in so the preschoolers have a bigger and better space. So we've space. almost doubled the space. Yeah. Quite, maybe yeah. added it's another got, 40%. Yeah. yeah. So the preschoolers will have a nice new space, and we're kind of under construction but still open down there. And then... We needed to kind of expand elementary, so Dave Longstreth moved out of his very nice office. We used to call it the Taj Mahal, and he moved into basically a closet. <laughs> and Michelle and I moved into his office, which opened up our nice big office, 
for our fifth and sixth grade room that's going to start the first Sunday of September. Fifth and sixth grade will have their own small group um, space. They're very excited, not with tables and chairs and things, but with furniture, a real small group space. So they're very excited. And then there'll also also be a kindergarten first grade class. So we're able to spread the kids out a little bit and just need teachers to fill those spots. That's great. So we're talking about, uh, obviously, asking people to ask the question, what has God gifted me to do? And this is an area, again, where I believe Riverside has always done it well. I want it to continue to be that church that people would want to raise their kids in. What's the ideal kind of a person that you're looking for to serve in children's ministry? I mean, we need really lots of talent in kids' ministry. Teaching is one, and that is a very important one. And just because you've never taught, that doesn't mean you don't have the, the gift to teach. We'll find it in you if it's there, and we'll, we'll pull it out of you. We'll help you with it if it's there. Um, but also we need people that just love kids, have a heart for God, love kids. And mainly the biggest thing is making that commitment. If people would commit to every week or committing even to twice a month, one, as Pastor Bill said, not that his sermons aren't great, but you, you can't teach what you don't know. So if you have material that you have to teach, you have to get into God's word and you have to study the material in order to teach it to kids. So you're going to grow spiritually by teaching. And we work, we teach in teams. So after a while, there's just friendships that develop, a harmony that develops. Teachers get in sync with one another as you teach together. And third, you're going to connect with kids and know their name. We, this summer, we've had a lot of people um, just volunteering one time throughout the summer, but I could tell you it's like school when a substitute comes in. <laughs> you know how that is. Every week, new boundaries have to be set <laughs> because it's a new person, right? Sure. So, But once they get used to that teacher and that consistency and the rules are the same no matter what, it just runs the, makes the classrooms run. Plus, a lot of these kids, we have kids that come from the community that outside of us, they have no spiritual training at all, none. We're it. So the relationship that we build with them and the connection that we make, that might be all they get. And those are important years. So you're really looking for a couple of handfuls of committed people that'll say, I'll either be a lead teacher or a helper mm -hmm. every week. That yes. would be ideal. Ultimately, that's the opposite. That's, that's the best if we could get teachers every week. But even if they'd commit for two times a month yeah. and just have two teams. Or a month on. But yeah. I would really love, my, I'm pushing for that because I yeah. see the value of that. And that doesn't mean if you can't do that. What we've done, we've lowered the bar too much. I'll be real frank with you. I think we've made it too easy for people to give the bare minimum. And I'm going to be real, real, real strong to encourage people to pray about saying, what can I do better? How can I, can I give a semester? Let's just try it for three months. And I'm going to say, rather than sit here and listen and take it in, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to give it away. And I want to help and I want to teach either now or Wednesday evenings because you need it on Wednesday evenings too. And you may not be a teacher, maybe a helper because we need two in every room. Mm -hmm. And the materials, tell us about how you um, equip people for that. 
usually most people when they come in if they've never taught here before you don't know what to expect and it's hard in this amount of time to stand and tell you everything that'll happen once you sign up but I provide all material all curriculum is provided for you and whatever activities are in whatever supplies are needed I prep and supply every single you don't have to purchase anything. You don't have to prep anything. That's what children's ministry staff will do for you. So you basically just need to pray, read over your lesson, talk with whomever you're teaching with that day, and be ready when you come in. Be ready for the kids. So really, I mean, I hate to say it's easy because you need to have a heart. And if you're wired for it, it is easy. And it's not like till death do we part <laughs> if you sign up for kids' ministry. There's a season for everything. There's a season for everything. And we slowly, you'll get to observe a week or two, we slowly work you into it. We're just not going to throw you in there with a bunch of kids. So most people do really enjoy doing it. And I could say that most people, it's not dread when you come. I mean, they're in, if you're in your area of gifting, you're going to love it. And if you're not and you come to me, then, hey, we meet with Laurie and we'll get you plugged in somewhere else if there's not. But it doesn't hurt anything to try. So we're looking for people at 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock here or at the mills. Yes. We're looking for people on Wednesday nights. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll take what you can give, but I'm going to challenge you to think about committing every week and just calling this place. Uh, it's time to grow up. It's time to say, how can I contribute? So we're looking for people that want to step across that threshold into mature adult Christians and say, I now am a contributor. I'm a giver. In this area, if you're gifted and passionate about that. so We've seen some of our best years in ministry when I've got a group of people, and I'll spend time with you too, that will figure out what you're good at. And when you've got a group of people and they're all working in their giftings, it works like a fine-oiled machine. And it's fun. It is. Because you're in your gifting. It's fun. And that's when then you get more volunteers and more kids are coming. Kids know if you're just there because, well, I sh should do it, so mm -hmm. I'll be there. That kind of, you know, it works better when kids know you love being there. Excellent. And then they want to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks for all that you do. Um, if you are interested in pursuing this, you're not going to sign up on a, on a little connection card, but it's, it's the opportunity for Denise to get in contact with you and have an initial uh, discussion about this. If you want to know more, if you feel the whisper of God right now saying, hey, at least take this to the next step, then I'm going to invite you to take your bulletin, and there's a place there in the connection card for you to check off if you're, if you're interested in serving in, in one of these areas. And uh, that, would be, that would be just fantastic if we could find people to help continue to make this the place where, where people would say, I want this church to be the church where my kids are going to be raised in the faith. So, yes. If they're at the mills and have questions, they could see Shannon Wagner, Definitely. and she'll, she'll direct them at the mills. That's true. That's true. And also, by the way, if you're concerned about not being here on, in the service on Sunday mornings, we do two services. You're welcome to serve in one and, and sit in the other, like many of your people, many of the volunteers do. Or if worst case scenario, you can listen to it on the podcast. Yeah, fast forward through the boring parts. So... Uh, <laughs> Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, thank you so much for those who do serve week after week and have made an impact in the lives of the Candace Berries and so many others 
who are growing into adulthood and now turning around and giving it away. God, um, I want uh, to put a smile on your face. I want Riverside to be a church that you would be proud of. I want to be a, a pastor that you could be proud of. I want us to be people that you could say, yes, they get it. They, they, they heard when, what Paul wrote. I beg of you, by the mercies of God, offer yourselves to God. Lord, I, I, I offer myself, we offer ourselves to you today. Take us and whatever giftings we have and use us for your glory and your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.